I'm not speaking from a wound. I'm speaking from a scar. That's a direct quote from my guest, Jen Evers, today. She is a highly intuitive empathic healer, Reiki master, and psycho-spiritual life coach who helps others heal from the inside out through identification of the subconscious patterns held within the energetic body. She knows that by healing the deepest parts of ourself and the trauma that we store within our bodies, that we can reclaim the power over our life and create one that we no longer feel the need to escape from. Well, hello, family. Welcome, everybody, in. We have Jen Evers here. She is an intuitive, empathic healer. I actually came across her page, The Awakened Nurse, on Facebook. You know how the divine just throws the right people in front of you at the right times, and Jen just happened to be that page that day where one of her videos really came up and just spoke to my heart space. And I liked her, I messaged her, I wanted to be, I wanted her to be on the show a lot earlier. Um, and I've been anticipating all of the things that she's about to come and talk to us today. So I'm just going to get right into it. Otherwise, you know, I'm just going to sit here and fangirl for five minutes. So Jen, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. I am too. Um, man, where do I even begin? Right? Like intuitive empathic healer, obviously you have a bunch of certifications under your belt that you get to talk to us about, but, um, where do we start with that? What's your favorite? How, how are you called there? You know? Oh, that's a long story. How much time do we have? We have as um, much as you I think, want. I think for most of us who are empaths, we've always known we're different, right? Uh, been a very highly sensitive child since I was born, just being in a room, hearing conversations of adults, knowing that there was something behind all of that, picking up on sensations and feelings. So that really just kind of transpired and grew into my life. And so the knowing, the intuition, really goes with the deep feeling of the vibrational frequency that other people are carrying. And unbeknownst to me, it carried me into the medical field um, to pick up on patterns that people have that exist within the energy and be able to see the metaphysical disease process that's going on that manifests itself in the physical, whether that's through thoughts, emotions, feelings, actions, or actual physical dis-ease. And so an empathic healer is someone who actually assists in the transmutation of those density within other people. Um, I didn't know I was doing it for most of my life, but it's when you can walk into a room and make other people feel better just by being present, that's a, a big clue that you might just be an intuitive empathic healer too. So <laughs> I hope that helps to kind of explain what that um, is. I don't know that it's really explainable in words. It's just, a knowing and a feeling. So I think that's one of the best descriptions I've actually ever heard for intuitive, empathic, anything. Um, <laughs> though the way that you were able to intertwine like the spiritual aspect of it and the gifts and the divinity, but also the science behind it and the density and understanding the thickness and negative energy and how people are able to just transmute it naturally. That's perfect. That makes me feel better about trying to explain <laughs> myself to people even more. Well, you know, it's kind of what all the degrees go with is the very left brain logical part of me, but also that divine feminine part, right brain, creativity, feeling, uh, nature is really blended well. I have a passion to understand the physics, the laws, whatever it is behind it, but I don't feel I have to know that in order to feel safe in an energy that is love. 
right? So um, I love the fact that I've evolved the way that I have. I have a master's in nursing education. I spent most of my career being a nurse, uh, but I love to teach. And it's just really taking all of these things that have helped me, right? Coaching, uh, ho'oponopono. I'm a ho'oponopono practitioner. Not many people know that, but it's a beautiful ancient Hawaiian clearing tool. And then I'm a Reiki master. So all of those things blended together. I teach, but I also hold space to teach other people how to heal themselves. So back to the Hawaiian prayer. I wrote it down because I have used it and it does work. And I'm not going to say it, but I think that you should say it just so people hear it, use it, and just take it with them because it's powerful. It is powerful, and the statements and the phrases may not mean a lot unless you really understand uh, what you're doing, and I'll be happy to kind of briefly describe that. But the four phrases that you don't have to say in any particular order are, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and thank you. This process is initiating cleaning or clearing of memories deep-seated within your unconscious, whether it be from this life, such as traumas, things you've experienced, or all the way back to the beginning of time, right? That's how ancient this is. But you're actually speaking those words to whatever memory is the cause for whatever's showing up in your physical reality. The emotions, the thoughts, the actions, the behaviors. Anytime anything doesn't feel good that shows up, you can simply say to whatever memory is within me, that is the cause for my anxiety or whatever. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. That's it. You don't even have to mean it. You can be pissed off and say it. <laughs> you don't even have to mean it. That's how powerful it is. I have done and, that. Not that I didn't mean it, but I was angry. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I just, please forgive me. I was very, very passionate in anger when I did it. But it still, it still had its effect. It released me from the suffering that I was in at the moment. Yeah. And it's just about repetition. You know, we're a human society that's, You know, we can drive up and get our food in five minutes at a window. We want quick results from anything. And I think we really have to be more patient to know that there's divine purpose in all of this and just to keep doing it. Um, I healed myself of eczema from it, with it, uh, using that for a week as often as I thought about it. And I'd had eczema since I was a child. Just using that prayer for one week, it's gone and it's never come back. That's beautiful and powerful. I've never heard that it's actually cleared eczema. So that's it's a new clear one for anything. Me. And it's, it's healed relationships that I've had with people, right? It's not up for me to choose their experience that they have, but if I'm connected and we're all connected as one, in some way, whatever's showing up in my reality, I'm connected to it. So you can even use the prayer to clean on or clear the things that you're connected to dysfunction with other people, perhaps it's relationships and work or uh, intimacy or any of those types of things. You can use it to technology. You can use it to anything, right? My friend was, her car was acting up the other day and I said, we use the whole pull up on a prayer. And she's like, does that work for like car stuff? I'm like, wouldn't hurt to try, right? Starts her car right up. I love that. So as a practitioner, do you also teach this too, or do you just like go offer services to others? So it's really a self-identity through Ho'oponopono. So this is, it used to be a 
you know, it used to be a group process where people would come together in a village and do it, right? If they wronged someone, they all took responsibility for their part and they asked for clearing and I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, right? Then in the 1970s, it really shifted to more of a self-identity. You don't have to be in a group of people to use it. So I, it's not really a process that I'm doing on behalf of someone else. Now, if somebody shows up with their problems to me and starts telling me, there's something within me that's connected to them that they're there telling me. So I'm clearing on whatever that connection is, right? So I'm simultaneously clearing from me whatever that bad juju (laughs) or energy is, right? That memory, suffering, and data we have stored deep within. But I'm teaching other people how to do this for themselves. So I can clean on the part that's within me, but the best gift I can give is teach other people how to do this for themselves because what they clear in them, they clear in all of the collective consciousness because we're all connected. We're all one. Mm-hmm. I love that message. Say it as many times as you want. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> um, so if you spend any time looking over, whether it's your personal Facebook page or the Awakened Nurse Um, I feel I identify with you the most on the constant radiation of unconditional love or at least understanding that you want to set the intention to be in that frequency and work toward that frequency as much as possible. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's big. That's powerful for me. I am love. All I am is radiating love. So, um, I believe that people who want that have been through a lot of profound hurt in their life and they've also had very big lessons on forgiveness and compassion. So before we were the awakened nurse, before we got our masters, before we really understood energy and all of that, like, let's go back to when you were 17. Like, let's Mm. start there and let's paint a picture for everybody um, and show like how you're so compassionate and loving today based on what you've been through. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, um, Well, it goes back a little bit before I was 17, especially during just, you know, obviously I'm a woman. Um, I go by those pronouns. Um, But it was very, it was very difficult for me to be in a woman's body. I was a tomboy. I liked sports. Um, I didn't like girly stuff. And so when I kind of transitioned into becoming a woman, you know, it's like you have to fit into this mold of who everybody expects you to be. And that was uncomfortable, uh, awkward, <laughs> you can imagine. And then about the time I was 17, I came to the understanding, well, I don't really like men. Like, I'm not attracted. I have tons of friends, but I'm attracted to women. So growing up in a very dogmatic, um, indoctrinated Southern Baptist household with very loving parents, mind you, but there was always the conditions of that religion that kind of encompassed who are you supposed to be to be worthy of God's love? And so coming out at 17, uh, it really put my relationships or uh, this fear of loss of love from my family and, you know, people that I had always wanted that love from. It really put it on the, the chopping block, right? Because they had to sit with things within themselves and overcome these belief systems to be like, what do I choose? Love or the scripture that says this is wrong and it's bad. So, Going through that, I was kicked out of my church and asked to leave. Um, so I was abandoned, really, by people that I had known all my life, that this one thing, right, changed their entire perception of me and to feel abandoned. And I went through a very dark time, lots of self-destructive behaviors, um, you know, 
projecting those things onto other people because I was hurting, um, hurt people, hurt other people. And then, you know, kind of time and evolved and you, you kind of have to grow up and just live your life, but always with this deep seated of who am I supposed to be to be enough? So that led me to be, let me get the best degree, right? Let me have the best job. Let me do all of those things to just make myself look better, right? Because then they'll love me. And that didn't work. <laughs> uh, because what we do is we get ourselves into this spiral downwards where we're just doing more all the time and we're exhausted because we're trying to be more in everybody else's eyes. And that created, you know, had two kids, got married and had two beautiful kids. But, you know, I'm still in that place of I have to do more and, and I have to fix everything and, you know, killing myself in the process. So it was almost losing my marriage at that point that I went and finally was like, okay, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need help. Right. I was a kind, empathetic person, but I wasn't kind and empathetic to myself. And through that process, um, what I thought I was going for, which was just to get some help. Right. So I could be better. So I could be what I was supposed to be for everybody else that I realized I didn't have to be anybody else, but I was enough already as I was perfectly imperfect. Um, and it's about growing and learning and seeing ourselves and other people. And everybody is just doing their best in all their moments. So why do we judge ourselves? Where so healing those layers and layers of just conditioning and belief systems. And I'm not enough to coming back <clears throat> to my essence and saying you're worthy of love because you are love that is who we are everything else is just in this memory data and suffering of subconscious memories replaying themselves so who do you choose to be with yourself when those things come up and i choose to be loving so that was kind of <laughs> it was it was it was not a you know it was a hard place to be in and i'm sure other people have um, been through things similar or perhaps even worse, but I'm not comparing, right? Everybody has trauma, whether you have little trauma, as we equate it, or very large, fast trauma. But uh, we all have a responsibility to do the work to heal uh, ourselves. So My favorite phrase is, um, what happened to you is not your fault, but your healing is 100% your responsibility. Yes. I had someone just say that to me, not like I wasn't doing the work, but I still... Like I still got wrapped up in the fact that I couldn't believe that that person that loved me did that. And I was like, I need closure. I need to understand like why you would do this because my gun was empty. Like I, it wasn't even pulled out of my holster. You know, I was like white flagging right. it. And then you get, you know, your heart stomped on. And I, that was one of the biggest blocks in my healing in the beginning, not even before like the self-love journey, just like understanding that we really all do hold so much trauma in us that we don't even realize. And we're like, we're here to come and work through this. I hate to like label it like trauma, toxic, get it away bad. Like this is a part of life. This is a part of living. These are things that we're supposed to go through to not only help our soul evolve, but to help our empathy and our compassion grow for others. So we're able to have the sight to see those people that are hurting. And you're like, I know that hurt. Like I feel it vibrate in my body. I like my throat is raw when I stand next to you. I know what this means. Oh, my stomach just dropped. I know what this means. Like you have all those little empathic tunings that grow in you from this trauma. 
And it kind of, like the perfect representation for me really is the lotus in the mud. Because when you're down in the mud, you're going through all of those horrible things that are really hard to talk about. But when you're healed, you are kind of able just to present it out like this is what happened. This is how I learned from it. This is how I healed. How can I help you? Like, I love you. Right. You know? Um, It starts with loving ourselves and to be able to hold that space for other people. We have to be able to do that. And in order to to love ourselves, then it's it's not that we get to pick and choose which versions of ourselves we, we love. We have to love the entire experience, even the ones that were uncomfortable. Um, that doesn't mean we have to love the abuse we suffered or that, right? But we can honor it as something, and I believe in a lot of ways before we ever got here, we chose our parents. We chose certain potentials. You know, when, when I say we choose our parents, what I mean is, is we didn't ask for trauma, but those potentials for that to happen were there and we knew that before we came. Um, and that's part of the lessons that we're learning. Doesn't make what happened right. Doesn't mean it's condoned. It's about learning how do we heal this ancestral trauma that's really being passed down so that it stops with us, right? So if we choose to have children or whatever, we're not taking that same thing and doing unconsciously what the people who raised us did to us. And that starts within. Um, you made a comment about like, um, like wanting to know why the other person chose to do that to you, right? Um, and it's because they're wounded and they don't know it. Absolutely. Um, I am so guilty sometimes of loving someone so much. And not just them, but like I love their the possibilities. I love their potential. I know that it's in them to be better than the way that they're acting. And like you could hand me a red flag and I would put it in my back pocket and just hug you and go, oh, you're, you're going to be so good. Yes. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'll go tell everybody. Um, and that's obviously led me to like the same person hugging me and shoving a knife in my back metaphorically at the same time. Um, and I think those were like my biggest lessons is all the love that I just continuously kept giving everybody. I still felt that I didn't deserve that. You know, whether when you realize you have difficulty with receiving, but you could give all day long and it just makes you just feel, Oh, are you good? Are you comfortable? I'm so glad you're good. And then like, you know, you're pouring from an empty tank for years, not wondering, wondering what's going on, you know? And, I'd been writing to myself forever, whether it was just like journal format or poetry or anything. And I would like read, I would go reread like my own writings just to see like how I grew. And all of it would be talking about how like, I just love, I love my people. I love everybody. I just want to help. I'm here to serve. Um, I'm literally not feeding and watering myself correctly. And I know it. And I felt um, like limited on how to take care of myself because I was like, it doesn't feel good to take care of myself. I don't feel good looking in the mirror. I'm doing literally whatever I can to get back out on the battlefield and help my people. Um, so I obviously mm-hmm. wasn't playing by airplane rules either, right? I just like, I <laughs> stood up and I was like, I don't need a mask, I can breathe. Um, so a lot of those were like a lot of my really big like breadcrumbs from the universe that they're like, love yourself, start to love yourself. So my I'm going to say like my example so you can pull up your example. So my example of like the beginning of self-love, because when we talk, when we say self-love journey, I think it can get overplayed. 
So what I mean is like reprogramming the neuroplasticity in your brain. So like 21 times to form a habit, affirmations, the way that you look at yourself in the mirror. I like I love the spiritual aspect of affirmations, mantras, breathwork, meditation, all of that. But what really connected it to me was when I started studying parts of the brain and those neurons coming together, breaking and going. It's like, yeah, if you want to quit smoking, this is how you do it. And it'll show the thing like eventually breaking. But since that pathway has been active for 20 years, you know, you could quit smoking for two years, smoke for a week. And like that puppy lights up and it's like, hey, mama, you know, welcome home. So when I really understood, yeah, so when I understood like the mental prison that I like I put myself in, like I had finally quit projecting on people. I'd finally found the awareness that I needed to go in and have the healed perspective to see what happened to me. Um, The only way that I started my self-love journey was literally with rose quartz and looking in the mirror and not just immediately going to being like oh I love you you're gonna have a good day I was like why do you want to pick on yourself like why (laughs) what are we doing right now and I I always am like if somebody saw me right now just talking to myself in the mirror they'd be like she's done there she is like take her out she's done but I (laughs) wanted to know so bad like what was the origin of my self-hate why why am I why do I love everybody why do I promote everybody why Why, 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 over and over and over. And that was one of the biggest, like, aha moments for me is when I finally started feeling the love that I was giving to myself that I usually could feel leaving me and going to everybody. Because, you know, as empaths that I believe part of your training is to have, um, like, what is it? Not mutual exchanges in friendships and relationships. Like, when you meet somebody, you're like... You get like your little PR person in your head and you're like, they're going to they're gonna be friends with you for six months and they're really, they're going through this and this is what you guys are going to help each other with. You know, like someone reads your soul contract right when this person pops up in your life and I'm like, oh, okay, so they'll hear, they're here for self-love. Okay, great. So we'll be talking about Rose Quartz for the next six weeks. All right. You know, exactly. you just kind of know where to start. But for you, when you say it all starts with self-love, everybody has a different way that they get their foot in the door. Mine was affirmations and literally asking myself in the mirror, why why are you unworthy, Cheyenne? Why why do you feel so unloved? What was yours? I'd say mine had to kind of start the same way. It started out with, you know, reading. I was much into reading and watching things and learning, like taking in information, but I did the affirmations. Um, I'd actually put them on post-it notes or index cards and tape them in different places in the house, right? Not even having to say them out loud, just every time you open, you know, the door to get a cup, right? You see it. You're speaking it. Uh, The first time I did the mirror thing, right, where you really look deep into the mirror and you try to tell yourself that you love yourself, I have all of my clients do that, and I and I invite them to feel what comes up. Can they even look at themselves uh, while they do it? And then as we work together, they're able to do that, and the emotion that, you know, the feeling of tears doesn't come up as much. But I think really, um, honestly, for me, the thing that really kind of got me to a different place was when I was, um, you know, I when I was doing my Reiki master training, it was like three days of intensive um, meditation and you're visualizing and you're just feeling right. You're going to those higher dimensions of yourself and allowing stuff to come through. 
And I kept seeing this version of my like 17 year old self who was kind of there. And she, the first day was like, nah, I'm not ready to talk yet. The second day she was like, hmm, yeah, nope. But by the third day I was just kind of grounding outside and she was ready to talk. And, um, we talked and she talked to me about how she had felt right abandoned and hurt. And it was this person's fault and that person's fault. And they hurt me. And I listened and I, I said, okay, but you know, who's telling you this, all of these things about yourself? Like that happened years ago. Like who's telling yourself? And of course she tried to defend herself right from the hurt place that she was. Um, and I finally just said, yeah, but who's the one that keeps telling you the story? And there was this profound moment where I heard her say, I am. And that was the minute I knew that it was all a story. I was telling myself from a place of a child within me who felt abandoned, who was trying to keep myself safe. And that was by me not being authentic in the world, right? Because of the fear of judgment and the fear of the loss of love from everyone outside of myself. And that's when I knew, I'm like, you're the only person who can give that to yourself, Jen. So you have to rewrite the story that you're telling yourself. And that's what I've been doing. Every day, every moment, every experience, I'm rewriting what I tell myself about who I am and how worthy I am. And that's how we, that's how we heal, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Again, great. There's a few things that I want to break down because I know that you're just going (laughs) to word it perfectly for me. Um, and I'm speak like I'm thinking from a beginner when like I'm trying to get the listener's perspective and ask the questions sure. that I would ask if I was the listener driving in my car right now. And the one that came up to me was how do you hmm, how am I gonna word this? Hmm, how do I wanna say it? Okay, so you have a new client, right? Obviously very shut off, very traumatic. They know they want to work with you. They don't know if they want to work with you. Like, how do you make them feel safe and comfortable when they're coming to you, but you see, like, you already see how shut down they are, but you also see their potential? Well, I think the best answer to that question is first holding a space of non-judgment. Um The other thing that I hold and that I'm very good at is that it doesn't really matter what people say to me. (laughs) Um, I tell my kids this all the time. I'm like, just don't lie to me because I already know. (laughs) So it's, it's really this mirror of you can just feel safe to show up as you are because I'm going to know already whether you're telling me the truth or not. And I'm not going to hold you in judgment. So just show up here as you feel safe to be you I seriously honestly hold (laughs) absolute no judgment towards anyone because I see everything within them that they have no clue exists so all I have is compassion and they feel that when they're in my energy at least that's the feedback I get from people on zoom on a phone call you know thousands of miles away you know I will actually go ahead and hop on that train and say I felt like I knew you when I reached out to you just from your content alone. And then um, it's so crazy how you can feel people when you talk to them through the internet. Cause I'm still like, I understand the energy transferring everything, but the feeling of like knowing somebody when you're talking online to them, 
I mean, I'll never understand it. It's probably why I had a pen pal when I was a kid because it worked out great. You're just like, this is so cool. I feel like you're my best friend and I have no freaking clue who you are in your real life, right? right? Um, but for you, I you have such a a calming, comfortable, like open-minded. You, It's so crazy how you can just feel how you're like, hey, you're, you're comfortable here, you're safe here, like what's going on? Um, and even just the conversation I had where I'm like, I love everything you say, will you please come talk to me? <laughs> teach me your ways. Um, so I, I can honestly attest to that too. Uh, this has been one of the many episodes that I've looked forward to just because of the personal conversations that I've had with you, the way that you reply emojis are really fun. I mean, we're all coming into the world of emojis like more and more. Yeah. Um, and now it's to the point where like somebody sends a message and if they heart the message, you're just like, Oh, that's, that's a weird dose of chemicals you get from when somebody's sending you an emoji, but that's Lots what technology dopamine. does for us. Dopamine and oxytocin, right? Seriously. So, Oxytocin's my well, favorite. Thank you for saying that. Um, it is truly, and if you ask anyone that knows me on a physical, personal level in my space, they would say the same thing, that they just feel safe, that I'm warm and inviting and real. And I think that's the big attraction is how people are drawn to authenticity because deep down we're really all longing to just show up as ourselves, right? And not be judged. And so it's, it's kind of magnetic in a way and being able to do that, it makes people feel good because that's what we're all, that's all what we really want. But the world has taught us that you know, it's not safe to show up as us because other people are going to have a problem with it or they're going to judge us and, um, boundaries are healthy. Uh, I will say that, like, you know, you were talking about, I think boundaries are sexy. Not only are they healthy when I meet, even in a new friend situation, cause you know, when you're on, it's not, you're on your healing journey and, and you've stalled and you've went back to your comfort zone and you like quit doing your work. It's like, I'm on the healing journey. I'm continuing. And these people come in and out of your lives. And I'm just like, Oh, you have boundaries. Like, Oh, Ooh, girl, we're getting ice cream together. Like, we're going to be good. And then you meet somebody, yeah. maybe they don't have boundaries. It's just like, oh, we're probably friends so she can learn my boundaries. Because you meet people. Maybe that's what we're here for. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm not trying to act high and mighty about it, but I, I really do try to figure out why, based on the people coming in and out of your life for a reason. They teach us lessons. We do this. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a constant auditor. And I used to be just on like kind of like an ethereal level where I'm like, ooh, I wonder if you're part of my soul fam, if you're a soulmate. Like, I wonder what we're all doing here. And now I'm like, what's in the contract? What are we doing here? How much time do we have? Hmm? Okay, so. It's all poor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it definitely is a part of the plan. And uh, to revert back to what you said earlier, how you're like, um, I believe we're all here for lessons, like in soul contracts, and we pick our parents. Um, I 100% believe all that too. And I was having a conversation yesterday with a lady who was telling me her story. And um, I always blank out on this part. She's telling me it and she didn't know, like she didn't have a picture in her mind for soul contracts. So I was like, let me just paint you a scenario. And then I'm going to throw in kind of a comparative metaphor so you can ground it in the physical world. I'm like, before you incarnate here, you're floating up in the sky in a classroom, right? And it's 
everybody in your life now that you know, you're like, you're kind of in like a cafeteria and you're like, hey, do you want to be my mom? I think I want you to be my mom. You should be my cousin. You should be my this. So like all she told me like 12 life altering, horribly traumatic things happening between the age of birth and like 27. And I said, okay, we're going to throw all those things up on a whiteboard. And they have like almost like points behind them almost. And I was like, you come into this classroom and they're like, hey, you're incarnating on earth. We're writing your soul contract today. Um, this is everything that you've done. This is everything that you can potentially do. And like, this is how much further you have to go type scenario. Mm -hmm. And I said, now this is what I want you to think about when you, when you ask yourself, I don't know why um, I would ask for this much trauma in one lifetime, just, just piled on top of each other. And I said, have you ever been the college student who was sitting there with the advisor? And they're like, hey, if you take 21 credit hours or 25 credit hours, yeah, you won't have a life, but you'll graduate like two years earlier. I was like, <laughs> yeah. same exact thing for all of these monumental bulletin points in your life. And she's like, right. that actually makes more sense. I was like, well, think about it. Like you go through it to feel it, to learn it, to heal it. But then you also learn the lesson. You get a massive amount of compassion, forgiveness, and empathy training. And then, you know, it's it's that fun little um, <laughs> song. I hate that it, like, sometimes triggers people, obviously, with their religious stuff. But it's this little light of mine. And, like, I remember mm -hmm. growing up and listening to it, going to Bible study and all of that. But when I finally connected that with, like, you loving yourself giving it like that's basically your heart chakra igniting is what I see and then you going out you find your purpose you activate you have the awareness you release yourself not from all your suffering because we're still here from the human experience right like I hate that people right. think when they have a spiritual awakening like now you're gonna get a winning lottery ticket and you don't have to do shit with the rest of your life because I've met people <laughs> like that and we don't talk anymore like kindly like you can go eat somewhere else but I do know that's out there and it's a huge misconception so I did want to say that really quick but when you're out there, you light your heart up, you meet somebody, you see them, they're down, they're this, they're that. And you get to be like, you get to be maybe the Reiki master. Maybe you get to be their life coach. However, you show up to help them. The moment that you see their heart light up, which that's the moment that I understood this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And it wasn't from a church perspective and all of that. It was, yeah. oh, shit. People have been missing the mark on that song for a long time. And I feel super grateful that I got it. And I'm not going to run around and like try to save everybody and be like, do you know what it means? But for me, for myself and just those ah, moments, that was a big one right. for me. Well, it releases you of, it releases those of us who've been taught that we're not worthy, that we're truly separate from source. Um, you know, it releases us from that feeling of, you know, I'm going to be judged. Instead, we're like, oh, no, that's already within me. That's who I am. And I'm here to shine it out brightly like a beacon so that other people can start to remember that it's safe to remember who they are, too, and mm. show up that way. And that, to me, is soul evolution, um, is really remembering, coming back to who we are right? The thinning of the veil. Uh, to, it's all an illusion, but it's one that's very, um, <laughs> very crafted well, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and we, we believe it, but that's again, why we're here is to remember who we are 
and redefine the experience and the relationship that we have with ourselves. And from that is how all the other relationships and experiences in our life are going to be shaped and move as we move forward in life through all of it. Um, so it really is about us with us. That's why we're here. I really love the way you talk. You just, you put it together so well. I'm just sitting here like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, it, it comes through. I feel a lot and then the visions and the words and all of that. I write a lot too, just like you do. Um, I wanted to say something about what you said earlier with just soul contracts. And I loved your analogy of how you described it being like, you know, here's all the pieces and parts. Yeah, um, use it. You know, yeah, it all no together. trademark there. If it helps somebody, um, it helps somebody. So the best description of kind of how, what I got, how all that plays out is this vision of a tapestry. And I can't take credit for it. Uh, the Anita Morani, who had a near-death experience, went to the other side and she described what she saw it as. And it was each, each thread, right, in this huge tapestry that you'd have to step back away from to actually view the whole thing. And how each of us and every choice that we make are, is a different stroke of that needle weaving itself through that tapestry. So it's always changing. It's always looking different. Um, and how the, the aspect of free will in our soul contracts, we may have come here to learn a lesson, but why we suffer is because of the choices that we make about who we are choosing to be with ourselves in those moments. So that is really, again, the underpinning lesson here is shit's going to happen, right? We're going to have things that are uncomfortable. It, could you imagine not feeling? I mean, what would this experience be like if we didn't have feelings, right? That's energy in motion. So it's, it's really more about us, right? All this crap happened to us. It didn't kill us, right? The whole thing of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's a cliche and it doesn't make people feel good. But if you reframe that into understanding, it's part of your lesson. It's part of your journey. Now, what do you choose to do with it? And who do you choose to feel about yourself or who do you choose to be with yourself first? That's what we're shifting and changing. And all the other stuff will shift and change when we change the vibrational frequency of energy that we're aligned with. You bring up vibration frequency. Do you love Abraham Hicks' work? Um, I honor her work. It's, I will say I... I I follow her on Facebook. I've yeah. listened to a lot of her stuff. Um, I'm a little bit more of, I mean, I get everything that she says is channeling and medium and um, the vibration that she talks about. And so, yes, it resonates with me. I'm just a different, a little bit different in how I kind of look at the energy and that it is mindset, right? It is the words we speak to us, but it's also an underpinning of, how do you feel about yourself? And this is where I'm different than a lot of practitioners is that I'm not just focused on your physical body and getting that in shape or your mindset, right? Or shoving down feelings and emotions and talking through them so that you feel better about it. It's about looking within yourself, just like you said. I want to know where this trauma came from. Where is this trigger coming from? Let's get to the source of that, the core wound, instead of focusing on all the little instances it'll get easier to deal with the little instances when you're actually dealing with what's causing all of it from the core, which is where does your worth come from? Where does your validation of that come from? And if it's coming from anything outside of you, you're going to stay in suffering. 
So you brought up earlier when you were talking about your childhood, you use the term conditional love, which I do all the time when I have to um, explain my understandings of uh, relationships that I was in that you act a certain way, do a certain thing to receive love. Like you kind of feel Mm -hmm. like the dog waiting for the treat in the situation. And what I've found out through, again, my own personal journey and talking to others that um, conditional love is one of the biggest life lessons and just awarenesses that I've come to find. Um, So I'm curious with all of the exposure and experience to other people's stories that you have, what is one of the best ways to find out if you are in a conditional love relationship or if through your trauma, that's obviously one thing that you, like you help them find that what they were living in was not unconditional, it was conditional. Right. Well, I think if we, I mean, it's a very, actually to be very simple, if, if, if you're judging yourself, <laughs> um, if in that experience and in that relationship, you are, you are worried about if I show up as myself, right, that this person is not going to love me, right? We, we refute that people's anger means that we're going to have a loss of love. That's not always. People need space, right? We're allowed to hold emotions. But if you're worried about you showing up as anything except who you actually are with that person, then you're in a relationship that's based in conditional love. And Here's the other part of that. It may be you that believes that you're in a relationship of conditional love. And so you're hiding your authentic self from the person that you are expecting to love you when perhaps they would just love you if you showed up as who you were. But you don't know that unless you actually are willing to go there. And the paradox of it is they're probably in the same fear that you are. So you're both playing out these unconscious fears, right? Trying to be something the other one wants when really you just both want to show up as you are, but you're scared the other one's not going to love you if you do. So there's that perspective. And then just to make it more complicated, I throw in the, you know, concept of soul contracts and how you meet some people, you stay with them for a while. They're supposed to teach you lessons. And within romantic relationships, I believe one of the biggest things that I was taught was, um, I needed to learn the difference in myself and in my relationships of what conditional is and then what unconditional actually feels like. And until I continued to, until I learned the conditional love and really understood, felt the definition, um, I I mean, it's all cyclical, right? We could get into karma really quick. So I think of, I think of someone being in a scenario where like, I see it. I'm like, I see them being in a soul contract. I see you two literally clearing out karma together that you've been entangled with. We can either do non-locality or quantum entanglement, whatever you want to say. People affecting people from distances when they're not connected, even though it shows that they energetically are, right? So then you have two people like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example right now. Okay, like romantic relationships are the easiest examples. Um, I don't know why I can't get away with them. I know I need to get a, get away from them. Da-da-da-da-da, this isn't working out. We've been trying, can't fill the cup. So like as your friend who's listening to this person and you know, like you hear they're obviously learning the lesson of conditional love in the relationship from the spiritual perspective, the higher self perspective of what this person's confiding in you about. So this is kind of a question story. 
So stick okay. with me. Um, cause I want you, <laughs> you are to, safe like, to be who you are. Yes. You're like, you're the friend that they're confiding in. So I'm always curious of like the advice that you would, you would be in, in this scenario. So, um, they don't know that they're trying to learn the lesson of conditional love and obviously clearing out karma. It's literally the physical, just 3d world aspect of, I'm pretty sure I'm in a toxic relationship. We're not supposed to be together. Can't figure out why I can't get away from them. And it's all this cyclical energy. I move out, I come back, I move out, I come back. Um, I've done that before in my past. And I, I again, found free freedom of suffering and karma and understanding through that. But if I'm not really tapped into like my feminine, my spiritual side of it, and I'm just 100% logical, how are you able to introduce the conditional, unconditional love to them first as a beginner? Well, the first thing that I would ask them is what are you afraid of? So in order to get them to go deeper, we've got to start with asking questions. So call it compassionate inquiry, right? Uh, that's what Gabor Mate calls it, a guy I've studied. It's going deeper, right? You can say, I keep going back. I don't know why I keep going back. He just keeps hurting me. Why do I keep doing this? And I would say, I hear you. Tell me what you're afraid of. Which then would slide into a, well, I'm not afraid. I guess I'm just afraid he's going to leave me if I do that. Okay, well, why if he leaves you? Why does that make you afraid? And then it just goes on, right? Well, because then I wouldn't have anybody. And then I don't think anybody could love me. We just go deeper and deeper. Why do you think no one could love you? And then that starts to open up where that wound is actually at, the memory of it. And you go all the way back and you're like, oh, because when I was little, my dad got mad at me one time or something and yelled at me and said, I can't believe, you know, I can never love you. Or I'm mad at you, right? My parents never told me they didn't love me, right? They always said, we will always love you. It's your behaviors that we're, that we don't like, right? But we don't equate that with, oh, like and love is different things as a child. We just hear, if I do this, I'm bad. So most of this stuff is not just the one instance of you going back and forth to this guy who isn't good for you, right? It's your stuff within you that somehow you're going to lose love and you're holding on to something that isn't actually love, <laughs> right? But it, that's what we've been taught it's supposed to look like. And then that's how it affects us to think, oh, I got to do all this stuff in order for them to like me. But really it's the fear of loss of love. And you'll, you'll attract all of those things, the right relationships, when you feel the part of you that's attracting the same lesson for you to choose something different about yourself. That's the law of attraction. That's why all this shit shows up. Who are you going to choose to be with yourself this time instead? That's it. That's healing. And it's not complicated. It's just complicated because it's layers and layers and layers and layers of so much stuff that we've been taught and that's being reinforced. But if there's something I can do to empower everybody that's listening is that you are the one that's telling yourself the story that you still believe. That's what I work on with people is we got to rewrite that story that you tell yourself. So we start with self-worth and self-love, small steps, cascade into bigger steps, and then people just watch things completely change in their life. But it's because of who they're choosing to be with themselves. Shit doesn't stop happening. <laughs> it's just your experience of it that changes. Mm -hmm. Everything's shifting. 
My favorite mm -hmm. visualization that I got when you were, you know, because I'm picturing you with a new client really finding themselves and then going back out. It's kind of like the drug addict getting out of rehab and going back to all their old friends and all their old ways and being different and realizing that they're different and going to their loved ones and being like, hey, I'm learning this. I'm different. Like I have this perspective. But now they they don't have the education or training that this person just got. So now this person has like a hundred percent chance of just like relapsing and going back into that comfort zone and those triggers. So is there right. an integration process that you have for your clients or anybody that you work with? Because I know what it's like to be in a Reiki session in any of these holistic healing modalities that you do. And you're like, I, ugh, I see it. My eyes are clear. I got, okay, I got it. And then you go home, you walk into a house where you technically have to leave like 50% of yourself outside, right? Cause you're in that soul contract. And then obviously the vibration's going to go from like there to there. So what, how do you, how do you help the in integration of these new, these new pathways that we're reactivating? Well, in a lot of ways, it's just, it's actually consistently doing them, right? So affirmations, but it's also really with what I do is it's about learning how to be uncomfortable and let yourself be there without trying to escape it. Um, and we do that a little bit by little bit because everybody's holding different energetics of emotions and memories. But if we're not ever going to let ourselves go to that place and feel it and experience it and start to reframe the story that we're telling ourselves in and through those experiences, then we're always just avoiding them, putting them back in the place that they were because they're not comfortable. I'll just be a shine, a light of positivity, but I got all this other shit back here that I'm not dealing with. It's still going to come up. So I do a meditation with a lot of the clients. If I feel that they have a lot of traumatic things where it's hard to look at them from that place where I will lead them into an integration process where we work with that inner child, such as like a mother or a parent to that child and really working on reframing the experience that that child had or that version of herself. So that's, I don't do that with everybody. It's just whether the trauma, the level of it really warrants it. Um, but it was done with me and it's a practice that I feel passionate about and it certainly can help us reframe stories about who we're choosing to be with ourselves. Um, but it's just practice. It's just consistently doing it. And it's all about us with us. I, it's not about fixing this or fixing that. We're not fixing ourselves either. Uh, we're just loving ourselves. And that truly is it. But we don't know how to do that because we've been taught love is conditional. <laughs> right? So well, we, also we the, the remembering of yourself. I think so many people think that they're like, oh, I'm this new, I'm new, this is new, this is new. And I'm like, it feels new because you've been covered up for a long time. You've right. been sleeping, right? And then you find that you're, you're pulling all of these false layers back and you go back to the beginning. Inner child healing, worst healing next to dark night of the soul, especially when you have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Um, but inner child healing was really powerful for me, and especially the meditation where you talked about when you were 17. The first Cheyenne that came to me was like an eight-year-old, and she had like specific stories. And it wasn't just like, oh, mom, oh, dad. It was like cousins, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, like where wherever this eight-year-old version of me went. Um, I, I know I still act this way too. I'd be like really excited to get somewhere, and this is before you know you're an empath, 
oh, I can't wait to see this. Like, oh, I love this person. I love this person. Grandma, grandpa, da, 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 da. And then you walk into the room and you're like, you, like right. you, you literally just absorbed everybody's energy when you walked in the room. And I don't know. I'm eight years old. One, I don't know I'm an empath. Two, I don't even know this exists. Like it's woo woo. It's pseudoscience. Like that's not, you know, that's not real. Yeah, I mean, you're not allowed feeling to talk about it. That. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, I, I can tell you, uh, I remember when I was younger and my mom like sat me down cause I had like the worst attitude in the world. And it's not like I had the best influences either, but nor did I understand you picking up energy around people. I just knew the corporate phrase, um, like the five people you hang around with is who you are. And that felt like more of like a money-making scheme, like mm, only hang out with millionaires, you'll be successful, you know? And if you've ever hung out with a bunch of millionaires, you find out they're not all authentic, you know? I'm. Let's just put it nicely. They're not the authentic crowd I was looking for. But I, I have learned well, a lot. But I have midlife crisis. Yeah. Right? Well, again, like the whole facade that you were talking about. Um, but I remember sitting down and telling my mom, like, I literally feel like I'm a dumpster or a trash can for everybody's emotions. And if you aren't, like, I'm in a good mood, you walk up to me, you're in a bad mood. Even just by talking to me, I feel like you're just dumping everything into me with, uh, without realizing it. And now I'm mad. Well, my mom doesn't know what intuitive, empath, energy, emotion, like, they don't educate people on that. Like, that's something you kind of go look at for yourself at the time. Because this was, like, early 2000s, probably. Like, I'm, I'm like, a teenager at the time. So we're having this talk a lot, right? Cheyenne, your attitude. Cheyenne, Cheyenne, Cheyenne. Um, and now looking back, knowing that I was absorbing all of this, I don't know how to protect my energy. I'm a freaking vortex of attracting all of these things that I have to heal in myself. Um, did you feel crazy like having those same experiences when you were a kid and like not knowing like why you're pissed off all of a sudden? Cause you know that you're a happy person. Like I grew up on a, I grew up in two houses. My parents were divorced. So I had two lives. One thing that I should establish. So I grew up on a farm in a small town. I had a great childhood. We raised puppies. I had animals. I I had small town friends, like Midwestern, just real great growing up. But I had this thing that was constantly around me, just like you said, I, I know I'm different. I don't want to be different. I really want to fit in and I will do anything I can to look like I fit in. And then when I try to go fit in, everybody makes me feel kind of like an outcast, you know, in those younger years. So that's the answer to why you were always angry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a defensive thing, right? If I can't show up and show as myself, I've got to be and put this mask on for everybody else. So we're resentful about that. We also don't understand what we're feeling because nobody talks about it. So we just think we're weird and we can't talk to anybody about it. So we hold it in. That causes more resentment. But it's really a defensive place that we're coming from, right? Um, trying to hide ourselves, but also know it, not knowing how to work with it. So, yeah, I mean, I spent years of my adult career as a nurse being an ICU nurse, okay? So my patients are very sick, physiologically in crisis. I have families grieving. I have families saying, if I had only just said, you know, if I'm feeling and picking up all of that stuff, and it was literally killing me. Like, I was taking all of it home. That's all I talked about. was, like, worrying, and it's so sad, and and it pulled me down into it. And that's really when those things got so bad, where I was at the precipice of really losing all the things in my life that were important because I was so absorbed in that. Um, so if we're not sure how to deal with it and then 
we don't have friends who are, right? I'm sure you've met tons of people now like that are more spiritually minded in past, right? But I didn't know what the that The higher you was. vibe, you will find your tribe. Yeah. When you yeah. hear it before, you're like, so, okay, great, another freaking cliche. And then you're like, oh, shit, no. Here's another like-minded person. You know, I just lost a friend last week that I thought we were going to ride or die. So this is hurting a little bit. And then literally like, doop, hey, friend. Yeah. 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 And, it and it feels good to finally be in a space with people who, who get that. And then your conversations are authentic and you're like, hey, you want to talk about some esoteric stuff, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, like stuff that actually excites me, not, hey, what's the weather today? Um, yeah, I am an introverted extrovert, so I'm very sociable, but I'm also like not into very uh, small, small conversation. I don't, you know, I don't talk on the phone a lot unless it's stuff that interests me. And not to say I can't hold a conversation with things that don't interest me, right? My kids talk about video games all the time. Right. <laughs> I'm very well versed at doing it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like I'm at a point where I want interest, you know, conversations that are deep and meaningful and authentic. Let's not let's pull back mask let's just show up um it's safe to do that here so I'm, I'm loving the version i am of myself i still pick up on energy from all over the collective consciousness i can feel things in the collective of humanity um september 11th coming up that should be an interesting one for me i get to feel everyone's grief before it um, as it anticipates itself so mm -hmm. but i'm helping right by me feeling it it's not me trying to push it away or protect my energy right i'm actually just letting it move through me because that's what i was designed to do so, is so that the more a, i resist it yeah, the more ahead. it persists yeah. so is that a really big day where you say like i'm sorry please forgive me i love you thank you a bunch like when you know that yeah. such high energy days are coming like that how do you protect yourself i don't protect myself great great myself. advice repeated <laughs> I ground. Yeah, but, that makes but, perfect but here's, sense. Here's the thing there. You know, I'm not saying that I don't. It's, I would more call it. I, I throw up a reflector. Right. Um, OK, I like that. Where anything that comes into me, like I'm not saying no to the energy because it's coming to me for a reason. But I'm allowing it to transmute. I do lots of breathing, lots of grounding. I'm not saying it's not heavy. OK, I have to do practices to help myself. But it's also just holding up a mirror to all of that and reflecting it back with love. So I'm moving it, I'm loving it, I'm transmuting it, but all the other stuff, I'm just shining reflection right back on it saying, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I'm sending that to all of you. So I, I just, um, I don't put my shields up much um, unless I have to go to like an event <laughs> where I don't, like I'll just put a little boundary up, right? Just say a prayer or something like that, but not, I don't really think Myself, I think the reflection the is the protection. And again, sure. I love all the things that you say. I've learned so much from you in the past like hour that we've been talking. And before we get off here, um, I really want to get into your um, group, The Awakened Nurse. Um, how long How long have you been doing that? Um, it'll be two years in November of this year. So Thick um, with content. Don't worry. I'll have the link below so you can just scroll down and click it and add yourself. But if you... You know, there are just pages that you can really go to and every post just hits your heart. You you feel it. You know it. It's authentic. So for you, um, you had a message and you wanted to get it out there. So was that one of the biggest reasons that you wanted to start the page? What was your calling on that? Well, I think a lot of it was for me to stop hiding and start showing up as myself. 
um, because I had all of this wisdom that I'm, you know, an old soul, right? I've done this work eons and times before. I'm here to be a teacher and a way shower. That's what I feel of myself. So I was doing that in my space, right, with people. And I was an educator for nurses, so I did a lot of mentoring and through the spiritual aspects in it. People are like, you're always got something good to say and you always help me. And I was like, you know what? Why am I afraid to put my face out on Facebook, right? Why am I afraid to show up and start just speaking my truth? And I realized it's another layer of authenticity. And I just snowballed, right? And I'm still going through stuff. I'm still evolving. I'm still learning. And all of my teachings are not from this perspective of me looking at other people's lives and saying, well, that person is doing this and whatever. I'm teaching from my own experience, right? It's not out of a book. I've read a lot of books, but I will tell people this. You can read all the information that you want. You can gain all the knowledge that you can gain from books and videos and all of that stuff, but unless you're willing to apply it to you and your life and do the work and heal, it's just going to be knowledge. And I did that for years where I read and I'm like, but I don't feel any better. It wasn't until I went within and started applying everything that my life really started changing and shifting. So I just want to get a message out to people that they're worthy of being loved, right? And that that they have to show up for themselves. And we got to heal all the stuff that told you that you weren't worthy to begin with. Yeah. And one of the best things that I got from uh, my friend Chantel, she's the metaphysical ambassador I told you about. She said, you have to tell your story. Ambassador, I love it. Yes. Take <laughs> it. Um, she said, you have to tell your story until you don't cry anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just found some stuff this week that I was working through and I'm getting ready to do a retreat this weekend. That's about to make me cry for like five hours. And, um, the things that I cry about now, I'm actually shocked because I thought that I had healed. Like I, I, I had really worked through some of the things that were coming up again. And, um, I really, I really struggled with the crying on it. I was just like, why are we still crying about this? Like we've told, well, I've actually told this story without tears. I wonder why today when I have to use the story as an example that it, like I'm, I'm right back there. I feel it all over again. And I don't know if you need to feel it to heal it more with the person that I was discussing, but Um, just like dark night of the soul, I think that there's a misconception with that, that you can only have one. Um, and just because you have learned a lesson and you've healed it, it doesn't mean that it's going to like not come back around and be like, Hey, are you healed? Did you, did you find everything you needed in this? So those were just like recently, those were the things that I'd been going through that even I was shocked because I'm like you, like I've been reading the books for a long time. Many of the years, I never really put anything to practice because I was reading the books, right? I was like, well, like the integration, I had no idea what to do. Yeah, like all logical. And I I mean, I I absolutely love the study of anything divine masculine, divine feminine, just figuring out how spiritually and scientifically like it works together. So studying, um, you know, the part of the body that's female, part of the body that's the male, the fact that the hemispheres of our brain are completely swapped. It literally looks like DNA. You know, like going through our bodies mm-hmm. when we look at the naughty systems in Chinese medicine. So um, I know there's a question and I love rambling. So thank you for waiting for me to just breathe. Um, I love to talk. So it's fine. I do too. Great. Like that's what the show's here for. Um, 
But I, I always like kind of like highlighting people's struggles, especially when they are the practitioners. I think it just makes them seem more human and authentic, even though they are very powerful. So from the things that I was just describing, like we talked about imposter syndrome, like the days you just don't want to do it. Do you have some examples of when even though you woke up, you knew you were powerful, you had that purpose, like let's talk about that day where that imposter syndrome just kind of sits in on yourself and the curriculum that you're usually teaching to others, you actually have to go and do your own work today and you feel like one of your beginner clients. You know, that's it, everything that I do is like that, to be honest with you. I'm never, I'm never fully healed, right? I'm always healing. And um, I guess the greatest example I can give is um, I was doing, I was, I was anticipating I was going to do a video for the next day. Um, and I was thinking and thinking and thinking about what is it that I want to show up and how do I want to present the message, right? And so usually I can sit down, I get an idea, I start writing, I just let it flow. And in this particular time, I was talking about energetic wheel of wellness, right? How our beliefs shape our thoughts, our emotions, and then our actions. And so I was picking each topic out and kind of pulling it out and doing a message on it. And so the night that the next day was supposed to be about thoughts, right? That was the topic. How did I want to talk about it though? The funny thing was I was all up in my head, right? Instead of down in my heart space while I was thinking about how to present it, did I choose the right topic, right? I'm questioning myself. So I actually learned the message of how our thoughts shape it in my own work that I had to do before I presented that message. It was to get out of my head, out of my thoughts, out of the creation of worst, worst case scenario instead just feel and be intuitively guided with how I was supposed to do it. Um, and that goes back to the concept of fear and how that plays up into our mind and we start creating all this stuff, right? Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? When none of it's here, right? All we have is right now. So I still use all the tools, the pattern shifting, the recognition, the awareness, the self-work, dropping into my heart space that I do with everybody else and what I teach because we're never not healing another layer ever. And I, and I laugh now when things come up and I'm like, you know, I have an, ex I have a friend who is willing to give me something. Right. And it's like a really big deal. And, um, I had asked the universe for this. Right. And it showed up in a way that I didn't expect. And it, that had this whole lesson in it. Like, okay, well here it is. Right. Here universe says, here it is, Jen, here's what you asked for. But you're going to have to be willing to receive the way it's being offered, which means it's someone just giving me something, right? I feel like I have to give them something in return. So there's a whole other lesson in that for me of what do you choose, right? Do you be as gracious of a receiver as you are a giver. So everything we're going through is another lesson. And it's applying these things and all of those things and seeing every single choice that we make is this way or that way, right? Who do you choose to be with yourself? I'm constantly doing this work all the time and I'm embodying it. That's the difference. Um, that that's where we can get to when we really apply this stuff. Man, you have a powerful message in the way well, that you, you articulate it. Yeah. I mean the way, the way that you put everything together, I really do love it. And I'm obviously taking notes the whole time that you talk, which is great, but I just, uh, if anybody's listening, like I'm telling you, you have to go follow the Awakened Nurse page because you, you do a really good job of not only 
just really thick content that you can grasp no matter what level you're at. Um, obviously, like the comfortability, like the safe space feel is my favorite. And um, just the, I guess, compilation of it, it's not the same stuff, you know? Like you really yeah. do, um, the way that you said that you're writing, I'm the same way. Like I just like let it flow out. I'm like, okay, how do I want to present the message? Because if I just hit play right now, I'm going to be like, and that's not what I want. Like, I really do want to try to breathe between my sentences. So learning to receive is the, the biggest for me, plan, too. Yeah, I feel like the less I plan, and I do this all the time, I'll, I'll write out a message when I'm going to talk on a video. And I found I'll record myself, right, and I'm trying to read from it. And I just end up just, like, putting it down. And I'm just like, okay, just trust yourself, Jen. Yep. Like, who cares if you pause? Who cares if you stumble? Like, again... It's not about showing up as perfect. It's about showing up as authentically you and laughing at yourself and loving yourself. And yeah, if you got to cry, cry. I mean, I'm not one to come on and show a bunch of emotion, but it's because I'm not speaking from a wound. It's because I'm speaking from a scar. And that wound, that memory is still there, but it no longer holds the energetic charge or residue that I'm still creating my life from and making choices from. That's the difference. And this work takes time. It's not an eight-week program. It's not, it, it's, that's, you know, it can't be sold that way. Um, it has to be a conscious commitment to coming and remembering who you are, that you're worth this work. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you can put in a minute here and a day here. It's just about being okay with what you can give. And that's another grace and allowance and compassion towards self. It doesn't have to look a certain way. And it's, all these things that we start to find in our everyday thought patterns that I help to really break things down for people and just hold that mirror up lovingly to them. And they get to choose whether they heal it or not, right? So I don't heal anyone. I show people how to heal themselves because it's within them to do it and it's all about loving yourself. But how do we do that when we, we haven't been shown? So. That's like one of the best outros I think I've ever had for a guest episode. <laughs> I'm like, what's your message? What, what are we doing? And you just, you throw it all out there. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I have taken so many notes and just learned so many things just from interviewing you. Um, and again, like I've followed you for a little over a year now, I think, um, on your Awakened Nurse page. And I love all your videos. I should fangirl well, you a you. lot more, but I really appreciate collectively what you're doing. Anybody that, you know, is able to bridge the spirit and science for me and just kind of help me ground what I'm also trying to learn, I always, always really, really appreciate. But I just appreciate you taking the time to come and educate us and, you know, let us into your mind, let us into your story and being vulnerable with sure. us. Anytime. And, you know, it's the Awakened Nurse Collective is my Facebook group. Okay. Um, so it's not just for nurses either, okay? No, um, it's not. It's, I'm, I, I'm a nurse. <laughs> um, I have a lot of nurses, but that's because most nurses are empaths. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. My mom's a nurse, but, yeah, and she's definitely join, an empath. Please follow. Um, there's no cold DMing. You're more than welcome to reach out to me. I'm not trying to solicit um, anything. People who want to work with me are drawn to me because they know it's time. And I have a client that just came on recently and um, she's just like, I've been watching you for a while now and it was just time. And everybody gets to choose their time to heal, mm -hmm. right, in my opinion. Um, so I'm here to help guide and 
you know, any, people can message me. I tell, message me anytime. I'll do my best to hold a space for you and hear what you have to say. Absolutely. Um, and I'll, of course, have all your info down below so they can just click, click, click. They can get to you as fast you. as possible. So, yes. Um, my favorite part of the show, well, I hate to say that because it makes it sound like it's more important than the guest and the messages that we just talk about, and I don't mean that. But music is my oxygen. So I mm -hmm. picked a song from Unlike Pluto. It's called Candid. It's actually towards the end of the song because it's got a cool beat that I like. But it's from his album called Technicolor Daydream. So to all my music friends out there, don't forget that the music is sponsored by Vitality Exposed Concert Photography. My girl Kelly Catastrophe is out there just bringing that live music to your Instagram, your living room, and wherever you want to look it up. So please go to Vitality Exposed. Give that girl some love. She has just been shooting. I think she just shot Shine Down and a couple other bands that, I mean, really, her perspective will just blow your mind. So... I really appreciate for the third or fourth time again. I love learning from you. So enjoy the track and we will see you. I'd really like you to come on an info episode too. So you'll definitely be back. Whatever you want. I love Namaste. it. Namaste. Thank you. Loving all of you. Okay, let me be candid. This won't be forever. This is the Hoosier Media Network. Your home for podcasting.